Welcome to Empowered Mind Body Inspiration. The mind is the map to wholeness, wellness, health. The heart is the key to genius and inspiration. Join me and my guests as we explore how to release and rewire into who you truly are unique, whole, and empowered. Please like, share, and subscribe. Spiral up, spiral out. Welcome, everyone. Today we have Zach Rutledge, a personal trainer and author of the Depression Relief Playbook. He has spent 20 years researching depression and the methods that help. Welcome, Zach. Thank you so, so much for having me. It's a real honor. This is a this is a really important topic. So I'm really excited and honored to have you here, Zach. I wondered if we could start with just your story and why you became such an expert in depression. Sure. So I hesitate to call myself an expert, although I've lived it. Um, <laughs> you know, it's funny when I got my black belt. They handed it to me and they said the same thing every time. They said, congratulations, now you're a beginner. And I yeah. try to take that approach with kind of everything in life. So I hesitate right. to call myself an expert. But um, yeah, so my story goes, um, I grew up with a quote unquote normal childhood. And I say it that way because obviously there's no such thing as normal, but there were no capital trauma or capital T traumas, right? So it was stable and um, it wasn't until now really, that I have the insight uh, that I, there were some chemical things going on. Like I took breakups a little harder than normal, just some kind of things where I was uh, a little more moody, let's say. And I just assumed I was a moody punk rocker. I just thought it was kind of normal at the time. And it wasn't until um, the summer after high school, and I call it the perfect storm. So my best friend was killed. Uh, obviously, all my friends were going away to college that year. Um, my karate school had shut down, which I had been in karate since I was 10 years old. So I lost all that social uh, interaction and support. And then uh, there tends to be this um, pattern where in our late teens, early 20s, for a lot of us, things like OCD, depression, anxiety, things like that tend to manifest. So this all came all within the same month. (laughs) And uh, it was a a pretty serious low. Um, And I I won't go too much into that, but really that's where the story kind of picks up is where at the deepest bottom you can get and then building myself back up brick by brick. And that's kind of how I go about, um, I go about things when it comes to recovery, let's say from depression, uh, because I'm a firm believer that there is no silver bullet uh, it's not going to be one thing that's going to take care of it for you. And it really feels like a, a brick by brick type of growth. Yeah. Really just doing what feels right in the moment and moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. So what did you do first that helped pull you out of this? That would be rough as a teenager. And, you know, we don't really build the mm-hmm. your skills or the muscle to handle this kind of thing at that age. Yeah. So uh, I'll tell you what didn't help first, because so I, I did try going to college and I dropped out 
And I, I just didn't have the capacity to do it. At the time, I attributed it to grief, um, which, which was absolutely at play also. But grief and depression are different. Um, grief is something we have to go through. Grief is something that we can delay <laughs> through, through various ways, but we have to get over that mountain. And somebody said it in a really great, great way. Grief is the price we pay for love. So there's no getting around that. But depression was different. And it sounds silly for anyone who hasn't suffered from depression, but I remember being at work and I was crying and my, it was a, um, a grief cry and it felt cleaner. I know that sounds weird, but it felt cleaner. It was different from depression. Um, so regardless, to get back to your question, I knew I had to kind of focus since I was out of school, I had to kind of get my mind at least in the right direction. So a few months later, it really was a few months, I said, you know what? I've got to be able to concentrate on something for a short amount of time. I said, okay, so what's 30 minutes? TV. So then I said, I did the worst thing possible. I decided to start watching the news. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the news, you know, smart people watch the news, informed people watch the news. So I started watching the news. Quickly realized I didn't need to know about every murder in the tri-state area. So that really wasn't beating the courage wolf, let's say. So like you said a little earlier, building that muscle, it wasn't until actually a couple years later where I was playing in bands and I happened to be playing in a band with these guys who were really into working out. And fitness was just something for me that was on the side. It was something that was like a byproduct of the martial arts. And I hadn't been in martial arts in a while. And I'm going to put things in context for you here. I'm 5'9 and I weigh 170 pounds. And I'm a personal trainer. So, you know, that's just to say that I'm not carrying around extra weight. And it's an unremarkable weight, 170 for 5'9". But I'm active. I work out six days a week. So at the time, I was 5'9", 124 pounds. So I was almost 50 pounds lighter. Uh, Yeah. yeah. So I was getting sick quite a bit, as you can imagine. And where the danger really came in, if I had gotten seriously sick, there was nowhere for me to go. Um, I, again, that wasn't even on my mind at the time, but getting into lifting weights with these guys was a huge, huge, uh, first step. Number one, I could see something. I could see myself building muscle. I could see myself, my, the scale going up, uh, two, I was learning new things, right? Like how, oh, what are these new, what are these new exercises that I can do? And three, I was having fun and that, that had been missing in my life. You know, I was playing in these bands that were, it, it had its place, but it almost felt like a, like a career path mm-hmm. at that point. At, at that young of an age, you can kind of take these chances. Um, but the, the lifting weights was just for me. And it was just for fun. And it was, it was this really positive step. And that was the very first thing I did was dialing in my, my physical health. And from there, it spiraled into nutrition and all kinds of stuff. Since then, I've become a personal trainer fitness nutrition specialist, um, a yoga instructor. So yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm a bit of a talker, so you may have to cut me off here. <laughs> but that was the first step. Yeah. So, and it's often the lowest hanging branch, you know, mm-hmm. just go to something that feeds you physically, emotionally. And like you say, to focus on just for that half hour to an hour that you're not thinking of anything else. Yeah, it, it absolutely provided that, that mental break too, because I was stuck swirling, you know, 
mm-hmm. thinking about my best friend's death and thinking about these relationships that were going wrong. And it's really hard when you have depression to kind of steer your brain, your thoughts in the right direction because your brain is fighting you. <laughs> it sounds weird, yeah. but you know, we have two, we have the mind, we have our brain, but the organ, the brain feels like it's fighting us, yeah. pulling us in those wrong directions. Yeah. Yeah. And you get stuck in the past, right? Your brain oh. is swirling in like, Someone had said something to me that really stuck with me. There was like, depression lives in the past and anxiety lives in the future. Mm-hmm. So pulling yourself into the moment really helped. Yeah. Yeah. I, I actually, one of my daughters is struggling with that right now. And I said, that will help just being in the moment, doing something you love mm. for a period of time. Absolutely. So what, what else do you teach? Like you, and I, I love what you say that there's no silver bullet because each individual is different and, you know, to find that one thing that is the lowest hanging branch that you can hang on to is, is a good start. But what do you, where do you suggest people start? Well, the next branch I would say is really your nutrition Believe it or not, I knew a woman who was talking to me, and I'll, I'll get into why she was talking to me a little later. Um, she wasn't feeling great. She was going to bed every night with a two-liter bottle of soda. She would come down every morning, and it was empty. So, <laughs> not, the <best. laughs> uh, not the best. And I make sure not to take things, you know, in too much of an extreme leap, Uh I try to take that brick by brick also changing people's diets around, but they do feel it. I do ask people to at the very least get an allergy test. There are a lot of people out there with a lot of um, gastro issues and believe it or not, we actually create 90 to 95% of our serotonin in our gut, not in our brain. So if that gut health is out of whack, that's not helping us in the least, of course. Um, And another odd thing people may not know, people are actually being prescribed um, probiotics for depression to help get their gut in order. So dialing in the diet that works for you, it sounds like a lazy answer, but it's true. Everyone's diet should be a little different. It's it's individualized. It sounds, like I said, it sounds lazy, but it it absolutely is true. I know if I have a glass of milk, it's not going to end well. I know, for, but for you, maybe it'll be fine, right? So I ask people, you know, get these allergy tests and try to figure out what works best for them. Of course, you're going to be talking to your doctor throughout all of this. And it, it may be beneficial to get a blood test as well, because I'm from um, New Jersey and I, I, I'm going to assume it's the same around your area. We have the vast majority of us are really low in vitamin D. Mm-hmm. So I do take a vitamin D supplement as well. There not necessarily is a causation, but there is absolutely a correlation between low vitamin D levels and depression as well. So getting some of these, um, these uh, supplements in order too can really help. And these, like you said, these are the lowest branches. We're not even getting to the mind stuff yet, the mindset stuff yet, but just getting that physical structure in order first, right? Because especially as men, uh, we like things that we can do. We like, <laughs> we like having a checklist and we like moving things around. 
So um, it provides that that clear target. It's a little easier to hit as opposed to these more ethereal just ideas that we're going to play with a little later. Yeah, exactly. And so to eliminate maybe one or two really bad habits Mm. that we tend to go to when we're feeling down that don't help, they just make you feel worse or you start gaining weight and, you know, or you get too skinny. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. then just to pick up two or three good supplements that just start feeding your body in the right way. Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, these start with these low branches and, uh, you know, the theme is there's no silver bullet, but it will be these small steps. You'll, you'll notice maybe you're going from a two to a three or a two to a four. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, very important. And then, and then where do you steer people? Well, um, you know, as far as my story, I was, I, I didn't graduate college till I was 26, which isn't old at all. But at the time, I felt like I was so far behind and I was so down on myself. I thought to myself, okay, once I graduate college, then maybe I'll feel okay. And then I, before I graduated, I realized there's this thing called honors, <laughs> you know, like the cum laude, all that kind of stuff. And I was like, oh, maybe if I get honors, then I'll feel great. Mm-hmm. So that came and went. I was like, eh, it's not there okay, well, maybe if I become a personal trainer, I'm into lifting weights and working out. Maybe if I become a personal trainer, that's that extra feather in my cap. That'll do it, right? Then I'll be a college grad and a personal trainer. Huh, that wasn't it. Okay, so it wasn't until (laughs) I took that arrow and I turned it around. And that's where I started to um, build my next blocks. So I had already dialed in my physical structure to an extent and got my, my diet sort of in order. And we're always sharpening the sword on that end. But, you know, I, I, I was at least aware of those. Um, and I started to, to work on um, things like meditation. And that was kind of, especially back then, I mean, it wasn't that long ago, but even, you know, 10 years ago, that was, a, had that little bit of an icky factor, right? <laughs> that meditation stuff. So I got into meditation, which I had done a little bit in karate, and I'm not going to bore people with it. They know what meditation is at this point. Um, But it was absolutely a block. Again, it wasn't everything, but it was a block. I took that. And as I was in these, um, these states of meditation, I would have these kind of epiphanets, I call them (laughs) these like mini epiphanies. Yeah. And um, uh, I was like, you know, one of these things I, I, I just popped into my head was it may be beneficial to kind of take care, sort out what happens when I kind of spiral out of control. How can I stop spiraling out? Because every once in a while, whether it be a panic attack or just an off day, my, my, it felt like I was going off the rails um, where you know sometimes I felt like I had my depression in order. Sometimes it felt like it was just getting shifted into an anxiety, something like that. So what I did was, and this sounds, again, a lot of this stuff sounds silly, but it's all pretty simple and, and effective. I started making a checklist of things that I wanted to do every single day. And we always say to ourselves, oh, I want to do this every day. I want to do this every day, but we forget them. Um, so <laughs> kind of silly, but, uh, but true. I, I literally photocopy my checklist now. So every single day, so I don't have to write it back out. So on one side is my daily 
things I want to do every single day. The other side are my longer term goals. So on my daily goals, at the very top, I have water. So I always wake up, brush my teeth, drink a tall glass of water. Now, I know I'm going to drink the water every morning. It's not a high hurdle. But just the act of doing it, crossing it off right there, I've gotten my first little win in the day. And from there, I work my way down. Now, everybody's list is going to be a little bit different. Um, I have the supplements I want to take. I have, you know, whatever it is. I actually have juggling on there. I try to juggle every day because I'm, I'm a brain health trainer and juggling is really good for your brain. <laughs> so I have, I have some silly things and I have some fun things on there. Um, but, and I, and I have some important things on there as well. But the, the point is, I want to be like a pilot. So when things go out of control on a flight, things start to go wrong. The pilot doesn't just go, oh, uh, what's going on? What's wrong? Maybe I'll try this. Maybe I'll try this. No, they have a checklist. So when my head starts to go in the wrong direction or my life starts to get a little scattered, I'm like, hold on, let's pump the brakes. Let's get back to this checklist. Get me back on track. Start crossing off some of these, some of these goals, these daily habits that I want to do. And at the same time, on the other side of my checklist, cross off some of these things for my longer term goals. And, and, and that's helped me too, just kind of pulling it back. Yeah. Just having that sense of achievement. Yeah. That, you know, you did this, you did that. It feels so good. Absolutely. <laughs> what, is, what is with that? <laughs> I don't know, but, but I'm going to guess it has something to do with being in the physical world. Cause it doesn't work on a phone. It doesn't work on a computer. It's gotta be that pencil or a pen and cross it off a piece of paper. And that's like that, <laughs> you know yeah. what I'm saying? That like, yeah. That yes. Moment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It seems so small, but it's, uh, it, it's actually huge. Yeah. And, and, you know, and it works for anxiety too, because, mm. you know, that feeling of there's too much to do for the future to be mm -hmm. able to do those checks and, you know, then your body or your mind realizes you're moving in the right direction. Sure. Sure. Absolutely. And meditation, just tell us what you did. And, you know, I, I think again, it's, bringing ourselves back to the present moment. And that's why we're able to receive these epiphany moment, these yeah. messages, right? Because sure. we're, we're rooted in the moment and connected to, I think the unified field when we quiet our mind. Yes, absolutely. So to be very practical, I think a great place to start is just the headspace app. It's a great place to start. It's easy. I believe there are some free options there too if you just want to get started. Um, one of the things that I had done was it's called box breathing. I don't know if you've heard of this, but it's a it's almost like a mix of a meditation and a concentration practice. So what I would do is I would sit down, close my eyes, I would breathe in for a count of four, hold for a count of four, out for a count of four, and hold for a count of four. And I would just do that. Now I would do it all through my nose because when we have that nostril breathing, we have this little cluster of nerves in the back of our nasal cavity, right? So when the air rushes over it, it activates our parasympathetic nervous system, which is our rest and digest. So I try to do it all through my nose when I can. And I also try to practice that deep diaphragmatic breathing, that belly breathing. So it's not the shallow chest breath. We call it the, the horizontal breath, not the vertical breath where your shoulders are going up and down. We want to have it nice and deep. And that was helpful, helpful for me because when my mind would wander, I would visualize the box or I would visualize the actual count, the one, two, three, four in each of the stations, let's say. 
So that was a really uh, helpful on-ramp for me because, like I said, it's a combination of a meditation and a concentration practice. Um, but again, if you're just if you're just looking for something guided, that Headspace app is a is a perfect place to start. Yeah. So it's called Headspace. Yeah. Love it. And yes, to combine the something visual with the breath does help keep us in the moment, doesn't it? In the now. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the parasympathetic. Yeah. It all works together and your mind will uh, flutter. It will run off in different directions. That's fine. That's expected. Bring it back. It's going mm-hmm. to run off again, bring it back. And that's the practice. So I get the most pushback on that chapter of, of this book because people say, Oh, well, I can't meditate. Well, guess what? None of us can meditate when we first do it. And if you just the act of doing it, the act of pulling your thoughts back, that's the practice. That's the meditation, right? And then as you get a little more, a um, little longer in your practice, let's say you're a month or so in, pull, you, you'll have to pull those thoughts back a, a little less often, a little less often. You'll still have to pull them back, but you'll notice it almost has like a flow to it. Right. And then as you develop that muscle, you can start to do like a walking meditation where Mm. you're, where you're actually doing this in life. You know, you can do small chores like washing the dishes, cleaning and keep your mind still at the same time. I'm glad you said that because a lot of people try to go from zero to hero. They're trying to do the, uh, that's a common one, Bill, the dishes one. But it, it really takes uh, <laughs> the common theme, the building blocks, right? It takes, you got to start at that ground level if you've never done this before. And then you can work your way up to that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Beautiful. And what else, what else do you have to share? This is awesome. So I, I know your time is precious. So I want to get to this before, before we run out of time. It, it was actually the last thing I had done. And this is just a few years ago. So my life was going pretty good. I I had climbed a vast majority of this mountain, so to speak. uh, And I could have gone the rest of my life doing what I was doing. But there was still this point at about eight o'clock at night, every single day, I would notice thoughts going sour, no matter what I was doing, I could be at a concert, I could be eating dinner, whatever it was, 8pm. So I told my my primary care doctor, believe it or not about this. And she, you know, she theorized maybe it's a testosterone drop. It didn't really matter. She recommended that I go on an SNRI, which is the common one, Cymbalta. There are plenty others for, depending on certain people's depression. So it worked well for me because I actually have this this chronic pain issue in my arm, and it helped the chronic pain. So she, that's how she talked me into it. So I was very hesitant. I eventually went on it, and. Um, it's, there were side effects to start. Now, I don't want people to be scared of those side effects because I know a lot of people who I'll say to them, oh, did you try antidepressants or anti-anxiety medication? And they'll say, yeah, I didn't like the way it made me feel. And I'll say, well, how long were you on it? And they'll say, well, three days. Like, well, it takes a little longer for your body to adjust. So that first week, it wasn't awful, but it was a it was a shock to the system. I was really tired certain times of the day. I had to figure out, oh, maybe I should take this at night, um, you know. And I had to kind of calm my mind that certain <clears throat> um, side effects wouldn't last. So 
the first week was the hardest, then it got a little easier the second week, then a little easier the third week. And it was a very uh, gradual decline. Um, the weirdest one is like this. I had this strange, almost like I was going to yawn feeling. <laughs> I can't put it into words. Uh, but it took a couple of months for that to go away. Uh, but I, at the same time, I could absolutely feel my nights were so much easier. I wasn't fighting against my brain, like we said earlier. It wasn't my mind versus my brain. They were working in concert with each other. So, um, I, I, and I talk about this in the book as well, but there, there are a lot of misconceptions about the medication. Like, oh, once you're on them, you have to be on them forever, or you're gonna feel like a zombie. A big one I heard, since I'm a musician, a big one I heard, people were afraid to go on it because they were afraid they would lose their creativity. I actually had the, the opposite effect. I was, I was more able to focus. So, of course, we can't tell anyone just to hop on medication. But if, if you're thinking about it, it's well worth the discussion with your prime, even your primary care doctor, even if you're not seeing a therapist, well worth the discussion. Yeah. So what it did is just balance some of the chemicals in your brain. That's essentially what it was. Yeah. That, that, that's, I guess, scientifically, that's what was, or biologically, that's what was happening. But experientially, you know, that's what was happening. What I described is what was happening. You know, just, it felt like there was less of a, a battle. Yeah. Yeah. And then did you, have you stayed on it long-term? Oh, I'm, I, I don't plan on coming off of it. My life is so much better now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you're, yeah. So you're finding it actually quite helpful. Absolutely. And, and like I said, my days were fine. It was just those nights that got a little rough and I'm, I'm great now. I, I don't have any, um, I don't have to go back to my checklist at night and stress about things. And I, I'm just focused on my tasks. Yeah. Yeah. So what would happen at 8 p.m.? How did you, what, what did you, what did you notice? It was a lot of thoughts about death, uh, especially since I lost, it wasn't just my best friend. A few friends were, were, were killed at a pretty young age. So it was a lot of thoughts about that and uh, things just going in that direction. And, and it was almost like I had no control over it. Like no matter what I was watching, that if I was watching TV at night or if I was at a concert, my thoughts would just kind of drift always towards that. So, yeah. yeah. And then what would you feel in your body when you, you know, had those thoughts? That's a, that's a great question and something I want to uh, kind of extrapolate on, I guess, <laughs> if that's the word. Uh, so um, I, I, call, I talk about depression as being different flavors, okay? So the flavors of depression I had, which almost seemed like different colors, I had in the beginning weren't the same that I had two years later. And a lot of the time it was outside of what you can describe in words. It's just this certain feeling. Um, and I remember when the depression first hit me, it felt black and then it felt white. And then there were like these green feelings. And then later on there were these orange feelings, really hard to put into words. Right. And that makes no sense to anyone except for me, but I do want people to, um, to realize this. So everyone's depression is a little bit different. Okay. And I've gotten some pushback because people would say to me, well, you don't understand mine is different. Well, everyone's is different, <laughs> right? Yeah, everyone's unique. Is, yeah. Yeah. We're all unique, but the one unifying factor is we can all do something about it. 
we all have this fight in us. We can all take these steps towards our goals and towards that better life. So there is no exception to that, right? Even though ours is individual to us, we can all take on these better habits for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And just like, so orange, you were saying that it was like orange and these colors, but was there a feeling in your body of heaviness, you know, in your solar plexus or chest or something? Absolutely. So yeah. And that would change as well. So I remember describing this in my psychology class that I was, I don't know, 19 or 20. And it felt like a hollow lead ball inside my solar plexus. Again, hard to put into words, but that's what yeah. it felt like. Yeah. 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 So with the, with the thoughts, uh, you know, that are painful to re-experience, you would get the sensation in your body that was also quite painful. I mean, it's heavy and. Absolutely. And sometimes, and this is where the medication came in. Sometimes my thoughts were great, but I still had that feeling in my gut. Mm-hmm. Funny, right? Mm-hmm. It's almost like two things fighting. So that was where the medication actually really helped. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, like it's so important as a, like as a homeopath, I would probably go into the sensations of grief and the sensations you felt in your body and treat it with something homeopathically, but it's so important to find something that helps. And for you, it was the, the medication. And so yeah, you can't, you can't continue to live in this state of pain. You have to find your way out. Where I was, and I, and you know, and I want to make this clear, I was very hesitant. I did not want to go that route for years. It mm-hmm. was just the very last thing I did. And I know friends who, well, I have a friend who has crippling anxiety and his psychologist recommended he go on this, this certain medication. He started the medication and he called me and said, you know, I feel a little better, but didn't feel like it really completed the job. And I was like, well, yeah, dude, you got to do the work too. So even though it's medication, that's still just one part of it. And it doesn't have to be, it's not going to be the same medication for everyone. And it it could be something completely different, right? So I just found what works for me. And, And I know we're running low on time and I appreciate you having me, but that's why I think talking to somebody like you is also a huge, huge benefit. Um, having that, building that team around you. I'm lucky enough to where I'm close to my primary care doctor. She's amazing. Um, But having, I had certain therapists along the way who were just really amazing as well. And it's important to build that team. Yeah. 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 And again, to remember, it's not one silver bullet. You need Mm -hmm. to do the work, you know, heal the grief, Mm -hmm. move through it, do the breathing, the meditation, the diet, the exercise. It's huge. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Love it. So how do people find you in order to, you know, find your handbook or what, what do you call it, hon? It's so good. Uh, Depression Relief Playbook. I love that's that. It. That's <laughs> it. Yeah. Yeah. I called it a playbook because I really like the idea of actionable things people can do. And I don't just get into, you know, fitness stuff. There's plenty of other things in there as well. But the the best way to find me is just email me at zacksrutledge at gmail.com. I spell it Z-A-C-K-S-R-U-T-L-E-D-G-E at gmail.com. And if anybody wants to shoot me an email, I'll be happy to send them a free chapter of the book to see if it's their cup of tea, see if it helps, helps them, yeah. 
Yep. And then it's available on Amazon. Amazon. That's it. Just on yeah. Amazon. I, I try to keep things very simple. I don't have any social media to speak of. I just try to work very directly with people. And yeah. I get all, all the bells and whistles. <laughs> I found it super easy to find. So I'll yeah. put the link in the show notes. Oh, thank you. Zach, can you leave everyone with one final gem? <laughs> can I leave two? Yes. Two's good. Uh, okay. <laughs> okay. So if you are suffering with depression, um, it's vitally important that you practice forgiveness. Something that was lost on me when I was in my deepest, in my deepest battles. Um, so of course, we want to practice forgiveness with ourselves for a lot of different reasons, and I'll, I'll keep this short, but we also need to practice forgiveness with other people because a lot of other people said a lot of stupid things to me uh, back in my darkest days. But the thing is, they couldn't understand, um, and they didn't understand. So, and they didn't understand because they couldn't understand. They weren't in my shoes. So it was, it was important that I, that I forgave them. It, it, it wasn't on their radar what to say. Uh, now, if you love someone with depression, my piece of advice is maybe take them to a yoga class. And this sounds silly. Hang with me here. <laughs> if you say to someone that you know with depression, if you say, hey, you know, I'm a little nervous. Would you mind coming with me? I don't want to do this by myself. First off, you're going to get them feeling like they're doing you a favor, which is pretty cool, right? Second, you're going to get their body moving. You're going to get them learning new things. You're going to get them in a social environment. You're going to get this built-in meditation at the end. And you're also going to have them having, you know, having fun and being around people who are doing fun things. So you're going to kind of be hitting it from all angles. So just get them into that one yoga practice and maybe you can develop some of those cracks, so to speak. So that's my biggest, my biggest advice for if you love someone with depression, just to get the ball rolling. Yeah, beautiful. And do you have a particular way that you do your forgiveness? I, I know with, I, I try to connect to self-love and then forgive from there. What, what is yours? What well, that your sounds way? great. That sounds great. Uh, the, the one I did, which was, man, a lot of this stuff sounds silly. <laughs> the one I did. When you say it, right? <laughs> when you say it, I just did it. I didn't tell anyone about it. The one that my, my psychology professor said was, you know, write these things down on a piece of paper and then just burn them and let them go. He said, let them go into the universe. It's not your weight to carry. Yes. So that was something that kind of symbolized it for me. Yeah. Yeah. I learned a process um, from a really wonderful lady, Phyllis Lodge, that if when you fill yourself with self-love and then you just imagine the other person and you say, thank you for all you've done for me, forgive me for all I've done to you. And that, you know, there's always some self-responsibility in mm. forgiveness as well, like letting go of like we've all, when we're really angry, we're held things with people. We have that tendency to hold the anger and kind of curse, right? So you you have influenced them in a, in a way. So you need to say, thank you for all you've done for me. Forgive me for all I've done to you. I don't know. Does that resonate? Oh, I love that. 
I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much, Zach. Anything else? Because those are two really important gems. <laughs> no, I just want to thank you again. You know, I, I love what you do and it's, I think it's great. Everything you do. I just think it's great. Thank you. And thank you so much for sharing your story and living through it is the way to really, you know, hone what to teach. We have to be, and in in hindsight, you realize that's why, maybe that's why you even had it, right? You are 100% correct. That's, that's, that's why I'm on this path now. Yeah. 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 Beautiful. And why you're able to help so many. Thank you, Zach. No, thank you. And for everyone out there, don't forget, don't give away your power to anyone else. Be the creator of your own life. Spiral up, spiral out. <laughs>